My guest today is Michael Lynch. Michael is a developer and blogger who has worked as a software engineer at Microsoft and Google. He left in 2018 to try building his own business. His current business is Tiny Pilot, where he makes $15,000 a month selling an open source server administration device. He recently created his first ever video course entitled Hit the Front Page of Hacker News, which describes the writing techniques that have helped him reach the front page of Hacker News 18 times in the past four years. Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ryan. It's great to have you here. You have done a lot of work in a subject that I think is a little bit scary, a little bit nebulous <laughs> to, to a lot of people, which is, of course, dealing with Hacker News. So right. I am uh, I'm very excited to chat on your success with Hacker News, how you happened upon it, and, uh, and some of the advice you have for folks wanting to do the same. Um, before we get there, though, give me some of your background. Uh, where are you at in the world, and how did you get to the point that you're at now building software and uh, ranking in Hacker News? Sure. So I live in Western Massachusetts now. I moved here about two and a half years ago from Manhattan. I was in Manhattan for six or so years before that. And most of my career has been at big software companies. So my first job out of college was at Microsoft out in Seattle, and then um, spent a few years doing various other other jobs. But then the, the next major one was four years at Google. And so I left Google in 2018 and then started working on my own businesses from there. Cool. Excellent. Okay. And so you have uh, you have made the exodus from the, uh, the so-called FANG companies. This is something I'm right. seeing uh, a little bit of a trend, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if it's just the the Twitter bubble that I'm in, but I am seeing this um, every now and then. Uh, folks are are leaving companies like Facebook, Amazon, Google, etc., um, to do their own thing or to to go to a smaller company, what have you. Um, did you? Was there anything that sort of pushed you out of those companies, or was it more so the curiosity to to work on your own stuff? At Google, it was definitely the frustration with the promotion process because the mm -hmm. way the promotion process works at Google, it's they've actually changed it a little bit now, but at the time I was there, it's this pretty convoluted process where it's this committee of people who don't know you and they're just reading essays about your work from you and your coworkers and they have to decide whether or not you get a promotion. And so there's advantages there because, so your manager doesn't get to decide whether you get promoted. Your manager just tries to argue to this promotion committee why you should get a promotion. And so there's advantages there in that there's there's less politics, like you don't have to play favorites with your manager as much. But the downside is that everything that goes to this committee is through this filter of like what can be captured on paper. So if you're somebody who likes doing things that aren't like big flashy launches, basically like the, the process favors big flashy launches. So if you can mm -hmm. like launch a new thing that drives $500 million in revenue, that's a really easy case for promotion. Whereas if you're like, well, I didn't launch a, a flashy new thing, but I've reduced alerts. So we're like not getting woken up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And I made all of our, our code tooling consistent so that we're not switching styles between different uh, parts of the code base. That kind of stuff, it it makes a big difference for your teammates, but it's hard to translate that into like, this made a big difference for Google and I deserve a promotion. And so the, the I sort of prefer doing work um, that's more toward the latter. Like I like things that improve the efficiency of my team and my teammates. And so it just felt like over and over again, that kind of stuff was being ignored by the promotion committee. And there was, 
the, to to get a promotion, it felt like I had to spend so much time on the bureaucracy and the promotion mm -hmm. process itself rather than actually learning things that would be interesting for a software developer. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I've i had Daniel Vassallo on the podcast before. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. but Oh, he, yeah, very familiar. Yeah, yeah. He left AWS yeah. um, right. making, you know, half a million dollars a year. And the way he describes it is he, you know, intrinsic motivation is the only thing that kind right. of lasts. That was actually the name of his, an article that he wrote. Yep. Um, but something he said that I remember uh, reading on, on his Twitter feed one time um, was that he was getting tired of, and this may even be in the article, but he was getting tired of like having to pretend to care about things like the bureaucracy, like the mm -hmm. process that you might have to deal with at, at such a company. So that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, right. I, I mean, I've never worked at a company um, in that category, but I think I would be right there with you if that, uh, if yeah. that were the case. Um, cool. So you're you're on to really cool things now. Um, you have a business, Tiny Pilot. You uh, write a lot about Hacker News stuff. Uh, tell us about Tiny Pilot. What's it all about, and uh, what uh, what does it do, and how did you kind of arrive at that uh, that to build as as a SaaS? Sure. So it's actually not a SaaS. It's it's just okay. a hardware device, and so that makes me a little bit odd as, in terms of like what a lot of indie developers are doing, because a lot of people hmm. want to build SaaS products, and that's what I was trying to do for a while as well. But the idea came, I, I have a little um, home server in, in the corner of my office where I run virtual machines. And it works great, except if I ever wanted to install a new operating system or it, I couldn't SSH into it or something. The problem was it's just, it's a headless machine. It's sitting in my corner with no monitor or keyboard attached. So anytime I needed to diagnose it, I had to drag it over to my desk and mm. pull out all the cables and connect it to my main desktop uh, monitor and stuff. And I had read that you could emulate keyboard input from a Raspberry Pi. Mm. And I knew that there were these devices that could capture HDMI input and stream it from a Raspberry Pi. And I was like, oh, what if you could combine those two and then made this like remote administration device on a Raspberry Pi? And so I played around with that for a while. And then I, I finally got it working. So you can plug this Raspberry Pi into a server and you just plug it into the HDMI output or the VGA output and then plug it into a USB port. And from the server's perspective, it's got a monitor and keyboard attached. And so you can right. uh, do whatever, you, like you you can go into BIOS, you can do all these things that you wouldn't be able to do with SSH or remote desktop because it's like you're physically connected. Hmm. So it's, it's handy for people that do server administration or any kind of IT work. Gotcha. Okay. And so, um, what what is the product then? What is it uh, like? If it's, if you're not selling kind of a a, a software product, what it, what is is it like a physical product that you're selling? This is or this yeah. Is... So okay. I sell. I started out selling kits. I would sell all the hardware components people would need to build this on their own. And then gotcha. I noticed that people that were more like toward the professional end rather than hobbyists were just kind of like, I want something that's pre-assembled. So I made a three three D printed case. And so it's it's much closer to plug and play now, where you just get this device gotcha. and plug it into your server. But I also okay. write the software, and then if you if you want to just use your own hardware, you can also just um, there's an open source version, so you can use the open source version, and then there's a pro version that I sell with a few extra features. Okay, that's cool. One thing that I, I'm always curious about is like where 
um, people who sell very niche things like like your product sounds like a very very niche item. Where they find uh, people that exist within this market and and where where those people hang out and how you kind of connect with them. Is there a particular spot where uh, the people that you sell to uh, kind of reside and where you talk to them and and sort of that's where you you're able to figure out the problems that they have or how did you how did you kind of uh, get to the point where you're 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 making fifteen k a month on it now? So it's it's almost entirely just from blogging about it. So I wrote a blog post about like my process of of building the first tiny pilot and just was walking through like what what challenges I had, like I was the the different devices I tried that didn't work. And then I submitted that to Hacker News as a show HN post and it reached number one and became a pretty popular post. And then just from there, like it's it spread from that post. A lot of people found it through that Hacker News post. And then because it did well on Hacker News, other smaller blogs started writing about it. So like there's a blog called Hackaday that writes about a lot of Internet of Things and Raspberry Pi stuff. And so because so many people are seeing it on Hacker News, then they start talking about it and it it rises to the top of Google search results if you search for like KVM over IP. So it, it there there is a like an industry standard term for this, but it's gotcha. There there have been devices like this before, but they're like expensive enterprise devices that are like a thousand dollars. But now okay. but because it's it's been linked so much, it it comes up when you just do searches for like KVM over IP. And so people find it that way. But it's it's really just driven by the blog post. And so like I think that's a really underused technique that a lot of startup founders overlook is like how much attention you can get on a product or a service you're offering by writing and writing about it in an interesting way. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, so that that segues nicely, I think, over to Hacker News, which I'm very excited to, to chat about because, um, you know, you you have done um, Marketing in perhaps not the typical way that uh, companies that startups would would do, sending ad like you know buying ads in various places, etc. Uh, instead, you you wrote a, a great blog post, uh, possibly more than than one, and you've you've ranked well on Hacker News. So, Hacker News is this uh, is this beast of a, a website is the way that I think about it. Where um, there, I mean, there's lots of lots of. Uh, ways that people frame hacker news typically um the 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 one that comes to mind for me and, and the one that pops up in terms of the sentiment about hacker news in my my t twitter feed quite often is that it's a it's a bit of a toxic place it's a place mm. where when you post something you are very often shot down it's right. a place where where people have their opinions they're very loud about them um you know they'll they'll grill you on stuff they'll all that to say many people say don't touch hacker news it's not worth <laughs> your time it's you know you, you want to stay away from hacker news uh, right. etc so uh give me the pitch why hacker news why is it an important place to pay attention to and uh then we can maybe get into some of the ways that uh that you can make that happen i think hacker news actually gets uh an overly bad rap i think there's definitely like high expectations on Hacker News. Like when you post things to Hacker News, they're very critical if you start, I, I call it like overstepping your expertise. Like if you start preaching to Hacker News about how how software development should be and like you've been programming for six months, then they're gonna react negatively. But I think if you if you just approach Hacker News in an earnest, humble way and just say like, this is what I've done. Like I'm not telling everybody else how to do things. This is just how I do things. The the response is generally much more positive. And I think I think a lot of the bias comes from I mean in any community there are people that 
misbehave and will leave negative comments. And I think there's this bias because, especially if you're only seeing Hacker News from the perspective of Twitter, like there's a, a trend where people will post something to Hacker News and they get, you know, like I think programmers are, anything you're sharing where you're, it's your own work and you're sensitive about it, like it's gonna hurt your ego if somebody snipes at you or, or dumps right. on whatever you produced. And so I've seen people like, they'll, they'll go on Twitter and say like, oh, Hacker News is so vicious and toxic. And they'll post a screenshot of like one comment and it is like legitimately vicious, but then I'll go and read the thread and they like picked out the one mean comment out of, and like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Like I do that too. Like I'll have a thread where everybody's being nice to me and I'll become fixated on this one person who's <laughs> yeah. being critical. Um, but I think if you're only seeing Hacker News from the perspective of like a bystander on Twitter, you're just seeing these people that are like, oh, like I was treated unfairly. Like somebody, my followers, like, hey, followers, like, can you just validate me and tell me like, right. I'm not as awful as this person's telling me. See, right, yeah. there's sort of a biased perspective if you're seeing it just from Twitter and you're not going right to the source and seeing what Hacker News is like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yep, certainly the uh, the the instances of critique that are perhaps vicious, those will be the ones that stand out uh, the most. Right, and right. not only for the, re the recipient of it, perhaps, but for, for all of the people that the recipient might want to share that with. That's, right. you know, th that's the stuff that's going to filter to the top of any, any sort of uh, assessment of Hacker News, I suppose. Right. Um, Hacker News, though, undoubtedly is a valuable place to be hanging out and posting things. It's, it's had a lot of value for a lot of people. Um, why is that the case? It's It's got a huge community. I, I think sheer numbers are, are a big reason. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe you can tell us about some of the, the specific numbers, but um, yeah, g give us your take on why Hacker News is a valuable place to be hanging out and uh, trying to, to rank uh, onto the first page of. Yeah, so they get about 4 million page views per day according to stats they've released. And I think they've done a good job of maintaining the standards of the community. So they they have a big advantage in that it's just the front page like if you think about reddit or facebook groups there's there's tons of different parts to it like there's there's thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of subreddits and so it's really hard for the moderators to watch everything and make sure that everybody's behaving but the front page of hacker news is 30 links and the they have a full-time moderation team that's both responsible for moderating the comments and managing the code that moder that like controls the comments on the site so on a lot of sites like Reddit and stuff, you can bend the rules and do things to get around moderation policies. But on Hacker News, that's much more difficult. And I think they've done a good job of moderating discussions so that it leads to thoughtful, thoughtful conversation. And that's why I'm actually like very surprised that it has such a, a negative rap because like I'm active on Hacker News, but I'm also hack active on Reddit. And I feel like so much more often the the feedback on Reddit, especially like the programming subreddits or like the startup subreddits, they're much more, they're like tend to be meaner and they tend to be much less informed. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's more common on Reddit that I'll get a comment that it's somebody like an armchair expert telling me like how I should run whatever I'm doing. And it turns out like they've never done anything at all like it. Whereas, on Hacker News, I think they're pretty good. Like the community at large is is pretty good at sniffing out BS. And if you're right. just talking out your ass, they will downvote you. And they won't, I mean, sometimes they'll be mean to you, but 
I think in general, they're good at uh, like having a civil discussion where you're, if you, if you try to like put on airs and uh, assume more expertise than you really have, then they're right. good at bringing you back down to earth. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um, Hacker News very uh, much favors a particular, I think anyway, a particular kind of post. What I've often wondered is whether you can turn any kind of thing into something that would do well on Hacker News. Perhaps the answer to that is no. Maybe the actual, you know, content of, of what you have to offer there um, has uh, more to do with whether you will reach the front page than does like the way you present it. But I'm curious, what is the best way to present something to Hacker News such that you, you're going to do favorably there? We talked about you want to just be humble, present the thing that you have, don't try to uh, tell the community what to do. But what else? What, how should you, let's say it's maybe like a product launch or something like that. How, yeah. how should you handle those situations? Um, the product launch, I, I think if you're doing a product launch, just showing them your landing page, like that's Another way that Hacker News is pretty unusual, like a lot of communities, if you're trying to show them a product that you're selling, a lot of communities are hostile to that. Whereas Hacker News, because it's owned by Y Combinator and it's it has this culture of like so many people participate in it are startup owners, they understand like that self-promotion isn't necessarily negative. Like if you're if you're showing the community something that has value to the people on Hacker News, they're going to be very supportive of it. So like the my tiny pilot launch was an example of that. Like I'm showing something that I'm selling, but people are excited about it because they're like, this is this is a great match for us. This is something that has utility to me. And there there are tons of posts that do well like that on Hacker News. My friend Jen Yip has a, a budgeting app called Lunch Money, and she launched on Hacker News. And yeah, it's like it's a paid SaaS app, but people are like, this is really cool that this is uh, an app created by an indie developer. I mean, just like just the show HN itself is is something that kind of makes you stand out because it shows like, hey, this is a product that I made. I'm here to yeah. participate in the discussion about it. Whereas like a bigger, it's it it sort of feels like very personal and human. So I think right. if you have a product to launch, just submitting it under show HN and making sure that you're submitting the landing page that's intuitive to somebody hitting it for the first time. Like you don't want to, you don't want your first draft to be what you submit to show right. HN, like probably show it to a few people before then and make sure it's a compelling landing page or, or product. But yeah, just to show HN, like the community is very, uh, very welcoming to posts that are a good match for um, like startups or programmers, right. things that could help them. That's cool. What what is Show HN versus like regular Hacker News? I'm not I'm not too familiar with like the various segments of it. Yeah, Show HN is it's just a separate tab. If you visit the Hacker News uh, homepage, you'll see like the the main feed is just the the front page with the, the thirty links, and then there's a separate tab called Show, and those are exclusively the the links that have been submitted to Show HN. Um, so there are people that go to Hacker News and specifically go to the show HN just to see what the new projects are. But mm -hmm. if if a show HN posts ranks highly enough, it will bubble into the main feed. And so it'll mm -hmm. it'll be on the main page. So the main page gets a lot more traffic. Show HN is a little bit more niche, but you can bubble up on show HN and uh, sort of get promoted onto the main feed. Okay. Very cool. So, I mean, you've got uh, like what you, what you talk about a, a lot, it would seem, is strategies to get yourself onto the homepage of uh, right. Hacker News. What uh, what are some of the things people should be doing to to try to rank there? 
Um, so there are a lot of things. I think the biggest mistake I see is people <coughs> people don't quite understand what topics are a match for Hacker News. So mm. I think a lot of people will submit programming tutorials to Hacker News and those get completely ignored and the, the people are very disappointed because they feel like, hey, I put a lot of effort into this programming tutorial mm. and it's getting absolutely no response. Like Hacker News just must, must not like my writing. And really the problem is just um, a mismatch in topics. So Hacker News, the moderators try to curate the front page for curious discussion. And they feel like tutorials often don't lead to that. So tutorials are really hard to get on the front page of Hacker News. And that's that's right. probably the most common problem I see. Another really common issue, I mean, it's I think people think there's some sort of like black magic and you have to do these black hat tricks to do it. But it's it's really just in a lot of cases, good writing. Like a, a common mistake mm -hmm. I see people make is they'll submit a post to, to Hacker News and it's a blog post and it takes five paragraphs to get to the point. So like mm -hmm. you're showing people, say you have some new technology that you wanna like share with the community. And instead of saying like, the, the first paragraph should explain like that you're doing that, that like you have this new cool, cool technology and it does X and like, this is why people should care about it. And instead, often people will say like, well, I was sitting in my garage and I was looking at this wagon that I have. And like, people just aren't gonna, attention span on the internet is really short. Like people aren't gonna meander with you for five paragraphs to, to wait right. and see if you're gonna offer them something valuable. So that's a really common problem I see is people just don't really think through their blog posts enough and think through like, okay, who's the audience for this? And like, what can I say right off the bat that's going to get their attention and make them interested in reading more. Right. Okay. Uh, what has worked well from some of the examples that, that you've had your, your successes on Hacker News, what, what works well to, to be sort of attention grabbing off the bat? I mean, we can definitely think about uh, the typical cases of uh, you write an article and it, you know, you, you have some, you, what I find that works well is you, you get, like you're saying, you get right, right to the point in some way, um, maybe rely on some elements of story, but uh, perhaps not too verbose, that sort of thing. Um, right. But I guess apply specifically to Hacker News such that it will grab the community's attention. Is there any any pattern that you see there for what uh, what works well? Yeah, there, there are a few different patterns. Um, I think stories definitely work well. If you're telling a story that would be relatable to other programmers and you start off the with right off the bat by demonstrating that you're a good storyteller. Um, I've had success with sharing thoughts about practices in programming. So like I've, I've written a few posts about how I think code review should work. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think people overlook the, the communication aspects of a code review and focus too much on the bugs. And so I've written posts like that. And so those posts establish very quickly, like, okay, what's the problem with other articles about code reviews and how mm -hmm. is this article different? Um, similarly, like with unit tests, I wrote an article about that and the, the introduction basically got across really quickly, like, this is what I think other articles get wrong about unit tests and this is what I'm gonna teach you. So I think right. starting with a good story or just establishing right up front that you're gonna offer something that is gonna help somebody in their, their professional life or their personal life is a really good way to get somebody interested in your writing. And that's that's true on Hacker News and, and most types of blogging. Gotcha.
Yep, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, what's your uh, thought on etiquette for Hacker News once you've posted something, maybe comments are starting to uh, come in and uh, you know maybe there's some negative ones, maybe there's some ones that are critical, uh, maybe even like in a way that's 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 not very nice. What, what's What's the kind of best etiquette that one can have in those situations? Do you ignore the comments? Do you address them? Like what, what's worked well for you? I think it depends on what your tolerance is for negative comments. Like if you're the type of person where negative comments just roll off your back and they don't really bother you that much, then yeah, like engage however you want with the comments. I mean, I, I think the, the way that I think about it is I just gave a tech conference. I, I just gave a talk at a, at a software tech conference and now I'm taking question and answer. So like mm. if somebody came up to me or like somebody got up to the mic and asked a question at a tech conference that was insulting, like I'm not gonna try to outdo them and dunk on them in front of hundreds of people because it would just make me look unprofessional. And so the, the mentality that I try to stay in is just like, I'm gonna be professional and courteous. If somebody is not being professional, like they people can be critical of blog posts in a constructive and civil way. And I, I love that, that's great. Um, but if people are being rude about it or you know, like saying I'm an idiot, then I personally just don't respond to those. And I found that Hacker News really doesn't reward you for being snarky. And it's it's funny, like on Reddit, sometimes like people will be insulting on Reddit and I'll respond with a snarky comment just to show like it doesn't bother me. And yeah. I've tried doing it on Hacker News and I get downvoted really bad. So like <laughs> the most negative response I got was I posted an article that was critical of Stripe. And okay. Hacker News loves Stripe and Patrick yeah. Collison, the, the founder is active on Hacker News. And so one of the first comments I got on that post was, I can't wait for Patrick Collison to show up and put you in your place. <laughs> and so Amazing. I responded, me too. Like, because <laughs> I thought that would be funny. And that like, that got really downvoted because people don't, really? yeah, people don't like the, the snark. Yeah, the snark, the humor didn't uh, didn't come through. <laughs> yeah, and like I had the almost exact same situation on a post on the programming subreddit. Like when I quit Google, somebody the first comment I got on the blog post was, "How does it feel to try to get attention by putting your employer's name in the title of your post?" Oh yeah, and okay. I said, <laughs> "It's a magical feeling." And like that comment got a bunch of upvotes. Like people thought that was funny. But it just it really just highlights the difference between the, the cultures of the two sites. Like Reddit is is much more rewarding of snark, whereas mm -hmm. I think Hacker News prefers to think of itself as like we're adults, we're having a serious discussion. We don't want right. you to just make dumb jokes. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Reddit, I, I mean, I'm not very active there. I've definitely posted this up before. I've actually been banned from one of their <laughs> subreddits for like putting articles up there that I wrote uh, too much. So yeah. I'm not, do, not doing too well on Reddit. But uh, from what I understand, Reddit, like you get, um, is it called karma that you get? Like if yep. you're yep. active and you're contributing and stuff, is there the same kind of thing on Hacker News uh, yeah. where you get points for being like, you know, a good citizen and posting stuff? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, you get points okay. for... Your, your submissions and for your comments, but they don't really mean anything. They're just for bragging rights. So that's that's what I was wondering is like, would you recommend if someone wants, somebody's got, I don't know, I keep going to the product launch, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be like, you know, a, a thought piece or, or whatever. If somebody wants to try to get attention on Hacker News, should they spend time beforehand kind of building up clout within the community or does that not really matter too much? It doesn't matter in terms of like, you can show up to Hacker News and register a new account and submit something and 
make it to the front page. But mm. it's useful to participate just I don't think people are going to like investigate that heavily if you are a new user and you submit a story, but it, if you do something that's kind of questionable, it, it shows good faith. If you've been active before and you've contributed to other people's stories, you've contributed things that aren't just self-promotion. And so the, the like official rules are that you're allowed to use Hacker News for promotion as long as it's not mainly for promotion. So you should be participating in other ways in the community. And I think when you do participate, it, it's, helpful for you, even just for selfish reasons, like it gives you a better sense of what the community is interested in, what they respond to. If you participate beyond just being a lurker before you submit a story. Right. Right. That makes sense. So, um, you've got a, a course on all this hit the front page of hacker news. Um, right. and this, the, the sub is a, a guide to writing for technically sophisticated audiences. And, um, I think in here you mention um, that you, so it's 18 times on the front page of Hacker News, if I got that right, and then right. four times in 2020, did I get that right, or? It was eight times um, in 2020, four of them eight times. Okay. were number one. Well, that's what it was, four, time, yep. four times you got to number one. So what are some of those articles, or I guess like topics or whatever that made it to number one spot? Uh, let's let's focus on those four just to get a sense of like what, what's done well for you. Sure, so one of them was the post about Tiny Pilot. That was my mm -hmm. most popular post of the year. Um, I believe my other number one was an update about what I've been doing in the past two years after quitting my job. So I, I posted an update a year after I quit, just saying like what projects I had worked on and like how I felt about life as an independent developer. And so I just posted another update after the second year. And I think people, one of the things people responded to in that is just sharing uh, like real numbers about all my projects. So I shared like what the revenue was, what what kind of users I was getting, um, like what my expenses were. And so I think that's becoming a lot more common as people are, are talking about the open startups movement, but it's still rare enough that that's interesting on Hacker News. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's combined with a story of like how, how you're living your life as an indie developer and like how, um, how the results look with, with all these projects that you're taking on. Right. Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I recall articles like that, seeing, seeing things like, Hey, I just went to be an indie developer and I've, you know, this is my revenue for the first bit, or here's the story right. about why I left my job, et cetera. Right. Those are compelling, uh, articles that make people click for sure. Um, so, uh, kind of going back to your course then, um, let, let's talk a bit about that. What's the, uh, what will people get from your course? If, and, and we'll certainly link it up. It's at hitthefrontpage.com. We'll link it up in the show notes, but, uh, what's, uh, what's in the course and what, what will people learn? So I, I found myself explaining like little tips to my friends that also post to hacker news and finding that there are a lot of misconceptions and people would just kind of miss fundamental things that felt second nature to me, but I realized that it's just kind of tribal knowledge that I've accrued from posting there for four or five years and have, going through a lot of trial and error. So I talk about how to pick topics that are a good match for Hacker News, like what Hacker News likes, what topics tend not to do well in Hacker News. It focuses pretty heavily on the craft of writing, because I think that's, it's, I don't think it's worth trying to game Hacker News. I think the the best way to do well in Hacker News is to really focus on honing your writing and learning how to um, write things that that grab people's attention and stay compelling throughout the article. So there's a lot of discussion of that. There's discussion of 
Um, things we mentioned, just like how to handle it when you submit, what to do if you're getting uh, negative comments, like how to handle those, um, what to do if you submit something to Hacker News and it doesn't work out, like how you can recover from that. And I also go into uh, a bunch of posts from that were popular, that were successful on Hacker News that I thought were interesting in different ways. So one is a, a post that is sort of promoting a business, but in a way that doesn't feel like salesy. Um, and there's another that's just like a very deep technical post where it's from Philip Opperman talking about how he's building an OS from scratch in Rust. And they're very different posts. And I think they, they both are successful in different ways. So I talk about um, how other people have, have succeeded in, in Hacker News and how it lines up with the, the techniques that I talk about and how sometimes they stray from those and it still works. Very cool. This looks very uh, comprehensive, very thorough. I, I'm curious, uh, did you go meta on this and post this course to Hacker News? Uh, and, uh, did, yeah. did you get to the front page doing that? Yeah, so I I always like plan to share it on Hacker News, but I, I knew it was going to be a long shot because I think the way it sounds, like at first glance, it's going to sound to people like I'm, I'm discussing techniques that let you game the system. Uh, and okay. so it it got like 14 upvotes, which is like, okay, but it, it never made it to the front page. And so gotcha, gotcha. my plan of, of getting it to the front or getting it in front of people on Hacker News is just by continuing to write posts. And then I'll I'll link to it at the bottom of posts and say just like, hey, if you like this post, um, you can learn more about how I write this way in this course. Very cool. Um, well, that's awesome. The, the, the course looks awesome. Um, I am excited to, to dive in a bit more and, and certainly we'll share it. Uh, I wonder if you might want to talk about sort of the business side of, of the course and, and how that's gone. Um, is the, uh, the, the course doing well in terms of the audience receiving it, being successful with it uh, in their own endeavors on Hacker News? Um, how, how do you reach people too with, uh, with marketing the course? Yeah, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. So it's done about $3,000 in revenue so far. And nice. um, I one of the things that I did that I thought worked out really well is I piloted the course material for the blogging for devs community. And so that was a good way of just getting it in front of a test audience before I released the, the finished version and getting feedback early on. And that's also helpful because like when it came time to finally release it, there were a big group of people that had seen the course and could say positive things about it. And so uh, marketing on Twitter has been a big thing. I've, I've spent a lot of time as I was making the course, I would share little, um, little excerpts of the course and like my process in making it. Cause I'd never, it was my first time making a video course. And so I was learning a lot as I, as I went. Um, and then also through my, the blog itself, like my personal blog, I, have um, I've gone back to like articles that were popular on Hacker News because people do keep coming back to those, and I'll include links uh, to the course. Just saying, like as I mentioned before, just if you want to learn more about this. Nice, very cool. Um, have you gotten into the email marketing game? Um, sort of like uh, build your audience through an email list and, and hit them with drip email, anything like that? No, and that's the thing. I think I I regret doing the most. I did. Um, I, I was sort of coming at it from a mentality of like, well, if I if I just have an email list, I don't really know if they're willing to buy. I have to do I have to do pre-orders. And mm. I think that sort of backfired because people talk about I, I watched this great talk by Adam Wathen of uh, mm. I think it was like a microconf talk about nailing your first launch. And right. he compares selling pre-orders versus just putting up a waiting list and uh, like dripping out little content. And he said that 
selling pre-orders is a good way to, to get motivated to finish the course. And, um, but having a waiting list is a good way to like build people's excitement. And mm -hmm. I think I really should have done the, the make a waiting list because having pre-orders, it, it made me feel like irrationally constrained to the syllabus that I advertised because I initially mm -hmm. advertised like, okay, it's going to include this, this, this. And then I started writing it and like some sections felt like, ah, should I really include, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't, this doesn't feel cohesive now, but I was like, but these people paid for it. And then like, I finally was just like, well, nobody's going to, like, I doubt anybody's going to yeah. be like, hey, you said this is going <laughs> to cover mailing list and it doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. and if they do, I can just give them their money back and it's no big deal. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, like, I, I think I should have done that more. Um, should it, like, if I do a future info product, I'll definitely do um, mailing list and focus more on that rather than um, try to sell pre-orders. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Mailing list has worked well for me. I, uh, I've definitely, um, benefited from having grown the audience uh through the mailing list over over the years and um kind of like you i i so i released a course last june so june 2020 about security for react applications mm -hmm. and I, I i went through that same experience where i had sort of promised something in the syllabus um mm -hmm. as i was you know drumming up interest for the course it was like uh how to integrate with a specific third-party uh, authentication provider mm -hmm. and crunch time comes around and I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to have time to finish all of these right. modules before I launch. Um, what can I do? And uh, suddenly it crossed my mind, you know what? I could just reduce the scope. I could just like right. deliver fewer things and people probably would be okay with that. I was a little bit right. hesitant, but I was like, you know what? Let's just cut some of the scope. And no one has complained a bit. So. Yeah. It's just like that, that happens to me so much, right? I feel like yeah my customers have this expectation when it's just like, it's just in my head, like nobody really cares. Like I, I announced that something's gonna happen by a certain date and I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna be late by two days. I'm like, nobody cares. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the only one who cares about this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the benefits I, I think that uh, we have as creators is that oftentimes our audiences are quite forgiving of, right. <laughs> of delays and stuff like that, um, especially when they're excited uh, about the the forthcoming product as we right. come up interest. They're probably not going to not buy it just because we're a day or two late. Right, so right. It's, uh, it's beneficial. Um, well, that's awesome, man. The, uh, yeah, like I said, the course looks great. I'm excited to, to jump in. Um, what else are you up to in terms of like any kind of business stuff, startup stuff you're thinking about uh any future plans for for other endeavors uh so the main focus right now is is tiny pilot so there are a lot of features that i want to add so it's it does like mouse and and keyboard forwarding right now but there's a lot of, of cool features that i could add so like one thing i'm working on right now is making it so that you can um like upload a, a flash drive image and then it like suddenly appears into in the the target server so as if you inserted a flash drive so that's a thing that a lot of users have been asking about and there's just like there's there's a lot of possibility with that like I, it's the first project i've had that's had like such serious revenue that's growing each month so each month it's yeah. been growing like 30 to 100 percent month over month nice. and so um part of it is just managing the scale like part a, a big part of production is these 3d printed parts but i'm reaching the point where I can't produce them fast enough because 3D parts, you can't print them very quickly. Like they're, they're great right. prototyping. Um, so I'm looking into moving to the next step, which would be like plastic injection molding. Um, so yeah, it's it, my focus probably in the next few months is scaling up manufacturing and adding cool features to Tiny Pilot that users are interested in. 
That's very cool. What's the, I was going to ask the, so 15K a month right now, like, is there a recurring revenue component to this? Or is that just because like you're getting that much new interest month over month? Kind yeah, of it's all new. And like, that's, I'm, I'm jealous of, I, I'd heard people talk about like how great MRR is as opposed to like one-time sales. And I'm definitely jealous of that because I, I do feel that pressure of like, wow, that was a 15K month. Okay, now I'm back at zero. Like, I hope I can pull that off again. Uh, but so right, far right. for this month, I'm at 24,000 and we're, nice. we're recording on the 19th. So um, now I have to beat that in February. So <laughs> we'll see it, keeps you, it keeps you moving for right. sure. That's no, that's really cool. I, I'm uh, I'm very happy to hear that it's going well and excited for uh, for your success on that. Um, well, that's cool, man. That's probably a good uh, point to start wrapping up on. Um, where can okay. people find you online? Where where should people go to check out all the stuff you're working on? Of course, we'll link uh, the you know stuff we talked about up in the show notes, like your your course, etc. But uh, yeah, where else do people go? So my personal blog is mtlynch.io. That's uh, mtlynch.io, and then my Twitter is at deliberate coder and uh, tiny pilot is tinypilotkvm.com. But if you go to mtlynch.io, you can find all my other stuff from there. Okay, excellent. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll link all of that up and definitely encourage people to check out the uh, the course on how to use Hacker News. Um, well, man, thanks so much for the the deep dive there. That's uh, that's great. I think people will take a lot of uh, of these tips and and hopefully apply them to their journey with Hacker News. I feel uh, definitely a lot more um, a lot less hesitant, I suppose, approaching Hacker News for the the next time that I think it it would be worthwhile. So appreciate uh, appreciate all you've taken us through. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 42 with Michael Lynch. You can find links to all the resources that Michael mentioned over at easypodcast.io. There you can also subscribe. Head over to easypodcast.io slash subscribe. And if you would like to leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. Check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash coderpodcast.